So what I want to do is I, I want to do something a little bit different than what I've been doing with the devotions. Um, I, I want to work through uh, biblical steps, and it's the biblical steps of recovery, and this is the Recovery Bible. And if you're not in recovery and you're not addicted, don't worry. This is going to speak to your life. And the truth is, it's the Word of God. And we're going to walk through some of the steps. And I've got a workbook as well. And very good questions in here. So um, if you have even a pencil and paper, uh, I'm going to, you know, have a few questions that you can write down. You can write down these questions. And uh, maybe I'll even uh, type them up so that you can get them. You could also pick this up from a Christian book distributor. It's in Peabody, and you can order that, and they'll mail it out to you. Um, but it's the Recovery Bible and Recovery Workbook, and I just want us to, to, to work through this because I think it really is applicable to everybody, every Christian. I think the steps that are used, the 12 steps, the devotional um, is, is extremely helpful. I'm a big believer in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm a big believer in NA, Narcotics Anonymous. And, uh, and, and these steps follow that, but give biblical perspective. And it's, all, it's actually the AA and the NA grew out of the Bible. Uh, but, we, uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you into the scriptures of where you can find these different steps, okay? And, and really, the first step, when you, when, the first step of, of recovery is, is this here. It's, it's this. We admit that we were powerless over our problem and that our lives have become manageable. Powerless over our problem. And there are circumstances within our lives that we are absolutely powerless over. And, and that might be a, uh, it might be in a relationship with uh, supervisors or spouse, uh, might be in relationship with um, uh, a, a person within the uh, community, and, and, uh, and you're powerless, you're powerless over your situation because you, you work at a certain job, you have a certain person that might be over you. And uh, you might be powerless, you're powerless over where you were born. You're powerless over the parents that you had. You're, you, you're powerless over when you're, when you're younger, the neighborhood that you live in. You're powerless over the school that you go to. Uh, you're powerless over the, uh, uh, your, your body. Uh, um, you're, you're, you're powerless over um, the nationality you've come from. You're powerless over the color of your, your skin. There are things that we're, we're powerless over. We're powerless over um, the country even that we were been born into. We're powerless over that. And, 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 so, and so there are things that we're powerless over. There's these no-win situations. And that's what we want to focus in on today is that the no-win situation how does it affect us and and as a result of it how does it impact our life and the habits that we have and i, I want to read a story a, a woman that was powerless over her circumstance and and her situation she um is a, a servant in the house of abraham and sarah 
And, uh, and God had called Sarah and Abraham and said, you're going to be the father. Um, Abraham, you're going to be the father of a great nation. They didn't even have a child. And he was 75 years old when he got that calling. And, and Sarah was, was 65 years old. They didn't have any children. And, and, and they wanted to have children. And they, 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 they wanted to uh, have, uh, be, have a family, let alone have, be the parents of a great nation. And, and so it didn't happen. After God had made the promise for uh, 15 years later, you know, or 10 years later, Abraham was, was now um, 85 and, and Sarah was, was, uh, was 75 uh, years old or so. And, and it tells us in the scripture, and, and they had a, a, a servant woman, her name, Hagar. And, and this is what it says. It says, now Sarai, and that's Sarah. Her name was changed later to Sarah, but Sarai, Abram's wife, had, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Now remember, it's the Lord that promised the child when she was 65 and he was 75. She was beyond having children. And, and she says, the Lord has prevented this. So so go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham, Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. And this happened 10 years after Abraham had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, which is Sarai, with contempt. And then Sarai said to Abraham, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, who's wrong, you or me. And Abraham replied, look, she's your servant. So deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar harshly that she finally ran away. So Hagar is in a no-win situation. She's in a circumstance that she did not put herself in. And, and so she becomes pregnant with the child of Abram. And, 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 and that's what Sarai wanted because she's like, that child will be the heir. Because Sarai and Abraham didn't trust God for the promise. And then in verse 7 it says, And so, so Hagar runs away after being treated so harshly and terribly and, 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 and tormented by, by Sarai. And it says in verse 7, And the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road of Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress, submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, said you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. The Lord has heard your cry of distress she's in this miserable situation 
wouldn't wish it on anybody. She, she, she runs out and God meets her and the angel says to her, the Lord has heard your cry. And then it goes on to say, this son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey, and he will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in an open hostility against all the relatives. Therefore, thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her, and she said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Beer Lalhairoi, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Berid. So Hagar gave Abraham a son, and Abraham named him Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Again, we look at this situation, it's a no-win situation. She didn't ask to be into this situation. It was placed upon her. And, and, and so she ran from the situation, and it was there that, that she met the angel of the Lord, and the angel told her, for the Lord has heard, in verse 11, the Lord has heard your cry of distress. The Lord has heard your cry. And, and, and so I, I want to read just in this, this little devotional just a couple paragraphs, and that's this. When we are caught in no-win situation, situations it's tempting to run away through our addictive, compulsive, and escape the hatches. And at times like these, God is there and he sees, listening to our woes. And we need to learn to express our pain to God instead of just trying to escape it. He hears our cries and is willing to give us hope for the future. What is your situation that is a no-win situation. What is your situation where you didn't ask to be in this situation? It happened because of the world that you were born into and because of the circumstances of living in this fallen world. I think of people that might be out there that have lost loved ones. I think of women who have lost their husbands and died. You didn't ask to be in that situation. I think of, I think of men who've lost their wives. You're, 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 you feel alone. You didn't ask to be in that situation. I think of a, a child, maybe even a teenager, that has, has come through some kind of abusive household relationship maybe some the family they're they're addicted and to drugs and you didn't ask to be in that situation and and then that fuels we respond in a certain way we run away we try to escape the feelings processing it the quarantine that we're under we didn't ask to be in this situation this could really drive addictive behavior we try to escape it. We try to forget about it. We try, no, I, 
We didn't ask to be in this situation, but how are we trying to escape? And I want to ask some questions for this step. One is this, what feelings do I experience as I acknowledge people in my life who have power? People that have power over me, such as a supervisor, a spouse, a sponsor maybe, if you're in, maybe a teacher. How do, what feelings do I experience? Write them down. Another question is, what do I try to escape from? What do I feel trapped by right now? What drives, what drives that, that feeling of I have no control over it? What is it, you know, and, 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 and what, what is it that I'm trying to escape from? Am I running away? I know that as we've stopped... And we have to stay home and we can't socialize like we've socialized and go to the different places that we've gone to in the past so that we can go seemingly have fun. Now we have to sit home and we start to think, we start to look inward. What is it inside? What, what do I try? What am I facing now that normally I don't have a chance to even think about because I'm so busy? And what, what is it I'm trying to escape from? What do I feel? trapped by and then and then a third question is this how do i escape my feelings how do i escape them such as anger such as boredom such as fatigue such as loneliness how do i escape them what am i using to escape those feelings with i mean it could even be something that uh, could be healthy you might be a person that likes to go to the gym or likes to ride the bike. I know myself, I, I, I like to go and go on a, a treadmill or go on an elliptic trainer. I love the bike ride. I used to love the run before my hip and things started to hurt so bad. I, I like to do some simple running in place. And, but, but, and, and, and I would say that there are times when I've used that as a, an, a, an escape from my feelings. But it's been productive. And maybe even it's been a time of processing. But there are unhealthy things that I use as well. If I don't go do that, guess what? I might want to go get ice cream. And I'm not like maybe you. You can eat one small ice cream cone and that's it. You're done. But I can tell you myself, you know, when I've got things on my mind, I'm, I'm processing things at times and, and my emotions, maybe it's even anger. You know, you, you just, yeah, I'm going to eat. Or I've got a lot of work to do because I teach at college as well, pastoring a church here too. And, 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 and instead of going and doing the work, getting that work done, getting those papers graded or making that video for the students and, and writing up a, some kind of worksheet to help them be able to learn something, instead of going right to that, what do I do? I'm going to run to the you know, refrigerator here in the church. I'm going to use the fry later and fry up something, whatever. What is it? What do you use to escape those feelings with? How do you escape? How do you run away? And this, this is, it's what's driving the addictive behavior. Another question is this. When things do not go my way or when I am in a no-win situation, what's my reaction with relationships, with work, promotions, kids who question or a rebel? 
traffic, drivers in front of me, people talking on a cell phone in public place, places, financial difficulties, people who hurt to or disappoint me, or, or God who seems to be silent, right? When things do not go my way or when I'm on a no-win situation, what is my reaction? How do I react? Write it down. Start making a journal. If I could, how would I change my response? How would I change it? And how would changing it be healthier than the way that I am responding now? And I can tell you from the scriptures that we just read here in Genesis chapter 16, 1 through 15, I can tell you that this, she didn't, she wasn't crying out to God, Hagar. She was running away. She was running, right? And it says this, it says, and, and so it says in verse 7, And the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. She wasn't, she really wasn't seeking, or it doesn't tell us she was. But, but I'm going to say this, instead of escaping through something that is destructive, in trying to medicate ourselves, instead of escaping the feelings and the emotion and maybe even the responsibility that's going to still be there when it's, we're all done with our addictive behavior, bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. Bring your situation. Bring your uncontrolled by you circumstance bring the no win circumstance to the Lord and seek him call upon him pray about it before you go and do or practice the habit that would somehow temporarily help you escape. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. God met Hagar right there. And he affirmed her worth. And she was able to see that she had a future and there was a plan. And for ourselves, in our known no-win situation, let's write down what is that no-win situation. And what are our feelings? And what is the behavior that we're using to escape the no-win situation that really doesn't lead us out of it all it does is help us maybe forget about it temporarily but it's still there bring it to the lord step one 
just recognize that your situation is out of your control. That's step one.